Hi, neighbor. Welcome to another episode of Anchors of Encouragement. My name is Tim Maudlin, husband, adoptive parent, Bible class teacher, and the persistent encourager. This episode is going to sound a little different than what you're accustomed to hearing on this podcast, because today I'm the one being interviewed. On episode 50, I interviewed my neighbor from Hawaii, Dr. Lisa Hartwell. Dr. Hartwell and I took turns interviewing each other for our respective podcast. With her permission, I'm sharing her interview of me today. One of the reasons I wanted to do that is this. As she asked for me to share my adoption journey story, she was helping me to frame that story from the perspective of the anxiety that myself and my wife were going through as we were navigating the challenges of adoption. As I told my story to her audience, I realized there were things that I did that I wished I could take back, mistakes I made. But there were also things that I did that helped me navigate those challenges and navigate the anxiety. One of the goals I have for this podcast is for you to learn from my mistakes, but also learn from the things that I found that worked for me. As you listen to this episode, I would encourage you to listen for the antidote that Dr. Hartwell reveals to anxiety. At the end of the interview, I'll have a few closing remarks. Aloha, everyone. It's Dr. Lisa Hartwell. Welcome to Anxiety Ease, the show that reveals a calm mind is an organized mind, and an organized mind is a calm mind. We'll make it fun and inspirational with a bit of learning the neuroscience and the real reasons some of us keep pushing on professionally, good or bad, at the expense of leading life with inner peace. Well, I am just going to get started and introduce my new friend across the pond, um, Tim, Indiana, right? You're in the middle of the U.S. And Tim and I um, are one of those folks online that everyone talks about how much they might hate Facebook groups, but I happen to love them because they connect people all over the world. And uh, Tim and I have been in mutual groups and one of them most currently is in a podcast group um, where you're learning how to be con- uh, podcasters. And I personally felt a calling um, to reach out to Tim because I certainly have listened to his podcast of Anchors of Encouragement for Adoptive Parents. And uh, I, I, I don't know, I just felt called to chat with Tim and see where this goes and have some conversation about how certainly how high functioning anxiety shows up for some of us adoptive parents out there and and I am um, so excited to have you on my show, Anxiety Ease, and have my listeners feel encouraged by you today, Tim. Well, thank you so much for asking me here. And when you reached out to me and we started connecting the dots and see where we had been before, I go, wow. And then I realized I said, we're supposed to connect here. Yeah. It's just, it's just interesting that we connect to that podcast group. And for those of you who know or not don't know, I'm one of the only men in that podcast group. Yeah, and I forgot so, about that. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's just interesting that we we connected that way. But I'm so happy to, to connect it again and then to be on your show with you. Today. Yeah. No, thank you. Thank you so much. You know, my show is more um 
you know, kind of the idea, I just wanted to start getting kind of the word out about normalizing anxiety and more specifically high functioning anxiety, especially with professionals and folks like us out there uh, providing services. Um, and, you know, one of the different differentiating factors that I always talk about with high functioning anxiety versus clinical anxiety, which I do as a psychologist, of course, is this idea of there are many, many of us out there, cool as a cucumber. You would never know that anything's going on in our lives, frankly, but underneath it, there's times in our lives where things make our anxiety spike. Um, we're not the type of people that sit around and worry about what's going on in the world so much, or even what's for dinner or traffic, that kind of stuff to just kind of roll it off. Right. Um, but Things like adoption and an adoption process and trying to have a child through the years is certainly something where my high functioning anxiety was tested many, many times. And I think um, there as an outgrowth of that still today, there's times where I have to really do some extra practices with grounding myself when I recognize, oh crap, my anxiety is through the roof right now. I wonder what that's about. So I kind of wanted to bring you on just to have, let's just have a conversation about that journey, you know, the adoptive parent journey, maybe where we're at with our kids a little bit. I did have a disclaimer earlier with Tim that I really don't share too much of my adoption story online, especially, um, or profession, personally or professionally. One, um, we have a, a value in our home that it's our son's story. Um, he definitely is quite open about his adoption with his friends and that's his prerogative. Um, but we, you know, one of the things I kind of wanted to do today is I want to talk about having some encouragement and some ideas and hoping that folks walk away feeling normalized about having any sort of anxiety that they feel as an adoptive parent, whether it be if you're just starting out on the journey, um, cause you and I have both been through that already and, or you're doing the teenage years like we are, <laughs> mm -hmm. Lord have mercy, help me. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, launching them hopefully into being amazing citizens and um, loving human beings. So um, I think I kind of want to just start with that is maybe just share with the listeners as much as you're comfortable, a little bit about your story and possibly where when you were reflective back, where did that sort of high functioning anxiety where it just kind of came and went in your journey where did that show up for either you and your wife? Yeah, the um, the anxiety part happened before adoption mm -hmm. because uh, we got married later in life. Um, we were still, well, I was just at the end of my 20s. And as I say, my wife is older than me, but she'll say 10 months. So, <laughs> but she had, she had reached 30. But anyway, so we thought that... Uh, we would wait a couple of years and start our family. And little did we know we were going to have infertility issues. And so from about 32 to 39, we went through different uh, infertility uh, options. One by one, they failed. And the anxiety started to rear its head when we would be told no, the in vitro didn't take, mm. but you can try again. Mm -hmm. And we go, okay, which we did. We tried twice. And I know some 
try more, some less, does you know, whatever it is. But we didn't have individuals with the best bedside manner necessarily because they would just say, well, yeah, you can just try again. Aww. And the anxiety there, especially I think on my wife's part, was really difficult. And we just found that we were just hitting one one obstacle after another, and it, it just wasn't working. Mm-hmm. So we had the anxiety that, you know, medically and physically things weren't happening for whatever reason. And a few years later, we came to find out that it probably could have been taken care of with a simple surgery. Wow. But, you know, that was after the fact that we had adopted. But mm. aside from that, we believe that when we did eventually adopt, it was, you know, meant to be that mm. God meant to put these 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 boys in our home. But the anxiety also reared its head, not only from the frustrations and the disappointments that we were experiencing with the the medical procedures we attempted, but then people were starting to make assumptions about the fact, well, you aren't having a, you don't have a family because your wife is career oriented. You know, she Mm. doesn't want to, she she doesn't want a child Mm. furthest from the truth, but people just make all these assumptions and they become really hurtful and it just raises your anxiety level Mm. to where nothing's working. And what we ended up doing when we did decide to pursue adoption is that because we had been there have been so many setbacks and so many disappointments we retreated within ourselves which probably mm-hmm. wasn't the healthiest mm-hmm. but I'll, I'll with this one caveat we always had individuals within our circle our inner circle that were our anchors that we could talk to and sometimes they they changed from time to time but since we've been in this this on this journey we've always had someone to confide in and i've been more uh opportunistic with that to try to seek that person out and i've found that's really helped helped us helped me mm-hmm. but you know we we did end up adopting and that as you know is a roller coaster yeah gosh yeah i don't know how many how many uh, times that it was a go and then a no go, or right. we had people who, well, there's just there's just some unseated people, and in, in that that can mm-hmm. be when we were oh, we were pursuing adoption, and I don't know if they still do this or not. We are several years removed from adopt our actual adoption, but we advertised in a newspaper. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. And you can just imagine the calls you get. Wow, and that's amazing. Fortunately, my wife took the brunt of it because she mm-hmm. was the adoptive mother, hopefully, hopefully speaking to a potential uh, mother, birth mother, mm-hmm. but she took the brunt of those prank calls. Um, people who, you know, in one case, we had a, a meeting set up with a birth mother that they ghosted us. So, mm-hmm. you know, all that kind of stuff happened. And then finally, we started, we finally connected with the birth mother. And, you know, for the privacy of my son, even though he's given me permission to talk about his adoption, which I do a lot on my podcast, Mm -hmm. but 
I'm not going to get into the specifics of that pregnancy, right. and, but there were some challenges. Mm-hmm. And even, even when um, uh, he was born, there were still some challenges. And so there, there's been anxiety along the way. Um, one of the things that I talk a lot about is adoption trauma, mm. which we we came to find out was something he experienced in utero. Mm-hmm. And it didn't really manifest itself to the extent where we had to do something drastic about it. He had to go to residential treatment, but that was in his teens. But all along through his life, there was uh, some anxiety based upon that. And mm-hmm. again, we had had people who d- didn't know any better. I mean, we didn't know what was going on, but yeah. we had people who were questioning our parenting. Mm-hmm. And so that there was another layer of anxiety. Mm-hmm on top of what we were experiencing, not knowing how best to parent him. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's just been a, it's been a roller coaster. And it's, we're just, it's, it's interesting when you were sharing that you had your, your community, you had some support, mm-hmm. but underneath that, I hear so much, a bit of loneliness of trying to just work it out on your own and um, not having a team so to speak, on your side, um, mm-hmm. to to navigate the very difficult waters um, that so many of us have been through from the just the process. And one of the things I always talk about with my listeners and in my world is, you know, this this idea of how we get wired with our neurons through experiences. And I always say, you know, essentially, you get wired to worry through the adoption process and by the time you have this baby <laughs> you're then you're just okay this isn't just a normal you know you didn't even give birth right so then you're just trying to figure out how to take care of a baby and then do then you get to finally shift into quote unquote normal parenting of mm-hmm. a child but it's so interesting when I hear your story because I think about back then too when you were talking about the fertility and I was I was kind of having some flashbacks myself of standing there in the doctor's office for the first failed in vitro, bawling my eyes out, and I was saying, "Are we done here? What What's the next steps? Am I this? Is, and he wouldn't even look at me. No, 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 just." We're going to do this again. We're going to do this again. I'm like, I'm not sure I'm going to do this again, actually. Of course, you're hormonal because of all the shots and stuff. Mm-hmm. But oh, yeah. I remember thinking I was such a anxious mess. I just thought, I can't do this again. There is just no way I can do this again. Well, I did. I said that with our fourth failed adoptions, too. Oh, and wow. my husband said, can we please just try at least till our home study expires? That's what he said mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. And I said, okay. I, but but I'm going to have to have you hold me because I don't know if my anxiety can go through the roof anymore like this. And it was very cyclical because it was on or off and, you know, you're still going about your life. But I think that's something you said so important is this idea of you get wired to worry. I was, n- I've never been a worry ward. I've always been a, one of those cool as a cucumber. I worked in trauma. I did flew in airplanes with patients and <laughs> It, it it's not a part of my personality or my brain development at all, but it did wire me to worry mm-hmm. going through that process. And so I want to, I want to kind of touch on what have you done? What have you folks done to kind of rediscover 
keeping that anxiety in check, like the difference between your personal experience with anxiety, knowing that that's what it is versus normal development of trying to raise your sons in your house. Were you able to discern that? And if you did, how would you tell listeners how to manage that? There's a story, if I could share real quick, during the pregnancy that I probably should have relied more on even after the birth, after his birth. But the pregnancy was up and down, and there was a situation that I'm not going to get into to the details because I don't even know. But mm-hmm. anyway, our birth mother and our lawyer didn't jive. They got mm-hmm. she got upset with him for some reason. And one day he called me and told me, uh, "You need to look for someone else. It's off." And yeah, we were devastated. Ugh. So we were starting to process that and come to terms with it and then go back and start to say, okay, we're going to have to start advertising again and start from square one. A few weeks later, he called me and said, it's back on. We came to find out that she was mad with him, but not with us. Mm. And in her mind, she was never off, but in his mind, it was off. But I remember at that moment, I was in my office and I turned to my boss and I said, today, I just became a dad. I said, I don't know if she's going to sign those papers a few weeks from now, but until until that child is born, I'm going to be the best dad I can be. Mm. And basically what I did to get rid of the anxiety was I gave it to God Mm. and just Mm. said, okay, I'm going to do what I can. That's my motto. Do what you can now. I'm going to do what I can and God, whatever happens. I'm leaving it in your hands. Mm -hmm. And we were blessed then to have him. She did sign and all that. Mm -hmm. But giving it to God is a a big, big part of it that I need to, I remind myself I need to do it more. And I've been, I've been focused more on that. But your question was about during the development and the anxiety and stuff. We, we had already gotten to the point where we kind of retreated into the shadows because of what we had gone through with the, the infertility. And then we started to have challenges during the adoption, raising him um, because of some of the comments made and because of some of the things we didn't understand, we retreated into the shadows again. Mm-hmm. It's not healthy. It's not healthy, but unfortunately, I'm sure there's some parents that can uh, relate to me. You get shamed into the shadows. And that's one of the reasons I want to talk about that because you you have to, for your own health, as well as the health of your children, you need to come out and you need to share your story. You need to have people to talk to. And so during that, um, we have had a steady group of people, different people off and on that we have been able to talk to that can not only sympathize with us, uh, in some cases, they can empathize. That they they get us because we get them. Other people have just been good sounding boards, and having those individuals has been has been a godsend. You know, mm. my favorite scripture. That, well, my second favorite scripture is Proverbs twenty seven seventeen: "As iron sharpens iron." Mm. And that one, when you get people who will be there for you, they can sharpen you, can lift you up when you you're down. Uh, it's just, I can't explain how that has 
being able to get us through these difficult times. But that's that's been the biggie that, and then relying on God. Yeah, that I and I would I would dare to say necessary, and it's necessary to have mm-hmm. that to get through it. There's just right. a way. It, it's interesting when you shame into the shadows. Um, you know, one of the things that I do for one of my services is I offer retreats for folks, um, either private retreats or, you know, group retreats over here in Hawaii. And um, when you said that, I think it to myself, I wrote down retreat to self versus retreating with others. And this idea of when you, when you retreat in battle, you retreat because your safety is in danger. Mm-hmm. When you retreat in your mind, when you treat away from your community, those that did not feel safe, mm-hmm. it is an anxiety response, which is fight, flight, or freeze. I better get out of here because essentially I'm being attacked. I need to retreat. Right. And the antidote to anxiety is connection to self and connection to others. And that's the part that I was, I think I was probably feel, I'm wondering if that's why I felt compelled to talk to you because this idea is, I know for a fact, just because I I know people personally in my life who struggle with some of their adoptive kids because of everyone has their own story, but there is a different element of loneliness with us than there is when you biologically are raising a child. There is just this other layer that feels lonely sometimes. And you don't know, my husband and I are very big on, we don't always get to draw a direct line back to adoption because it isn't a clear linear path that everything is related to that. I just, we just do not believe that to be true. That Mm -hmm. is not our truth at all. However, we are in the same circle and that circle sometimes feels very lonely. And I think outside of that circle is because people just don't understand they just don't understand the process fully or for whatever reason. So you, you know, I think you said this earlier when we talked, which is, you know, our idea is to give our kids grace when they're going through things, but giving those people grace too, so we can step out and actually reconnect with people and stop retreating. It is the antidote to moving forward. Right. I think that's really powerful what you were saying. The, um, yeah. The shame. I just want to say that I'm sorry that that even happened with that wasn't our experience. People are super curious and didn't understand and probably yeah. said inappropriate things, but I'm really sorry that you were put in that position and of feeling like you needed to retreat. We, uh, well, that, that was our reality. Uh, right. I know, uh, I've talked to other adoptive parents and, they have felt like we can't really talk about certain things um, just because the others don't understand it. Um, the parenting part, uh, you know, what worked for us when we were raised by our parents doesn't necessarily work for the adopted kids. I mean, you know, they aren't wired the same way as we are. And yeah. so that that was frustrating. But, you know, having those having those anchors to well, you can just grab a hold of when you need them. Mm-hmm. That's really helpful. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's life-saving. Mm-hmm. I know when my son was in residential treatment, um, 
he went there with a lot of anger. And after a few weeks, uh, we saw some pictures of him and his eyes were bright. And I remember asking his therapist, I said, what's going on? And she said, well, he's learning to like himself again, mm-hmm. which broke our heart. We didn't know that was going on. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, what's he doing? And she said, he's journaling. And I said, he's what? <laughs> because <laughs> our son, our sons were are homeschooled. And when my wife would work on any kind of writing assignment, he would cry. Oh, he hated it. Painful. He hated it. But as I, and I didn't understand the, the concept of journaling and what it could do for a person. And the therapist explained it to me. You can think of feeling, you can speak of feeling, but if you want to touch a feeling, you write. And that's what he did. And so that helped him to touch those feelings that he had been, that hole he had in his heart. I say all that because that has helped him, but boy, it's helped me. Yeah. It has helped me because I needed to connect to myself. And whenever I start to have anxiety, I can go to my journal and I can just, well, and Frank said it best, I think. She said, paper is more patient than people. Mm-hmm. And there's things I can say to, to paper I can't say to people. And yeah. I shouldn't say to people. Yeah. And so I do that. And sometimes I'll write it down and I'll throw it away because I need this to release it and go on. And mm-hmm. I've I've done that consistently now for a long time. Yeah. And journaling's really helped me. So that's been something to help with the anxiety. To yeah, help which you. is, uh, yeah, I refer to those as tools. And, you know, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we're all of us creating our own set of tools that we can manage these things is one thing. But mm-hmm. the other thing that you're really talking about that I always um, harp on essentially is this acceptance of anxiety, this acceptance of when high functioning anxiety shows up in your life. It's really about embracing it instead of trying to get rid of it. And the tools Mm -hmm. help us to manage it in the moment so we can actually do something with it. Because if you didn't have anything to feel or say in that moment, it wouldn't be happening. And that's Mm -hmm. why it's so powerful to do things like journaling or go for a walk or have a conversation with a, a friend or a loved one. Or, you know, the idea is, oh, I I talk, I just say it's always God tapping me on my shoulder saying, hello, we need to have a conversation about this. Mm-hmm. Yes. And sometimes I'm a little busy. And so it shows up as anxiety. And it's the mm-hmm. only way to get my brain's attention to pay attention to this growth point. Right. And for me, I've learned through the years, that's how it shows up for me too. Which is when my anxiety feels like it's through the roof. I'm like, oh. All right, I guess I need to go do some self-growth here. I wonder what this one's about and and just mm-hmm. kind of tapping into that. So I think it's yeah. a really important thing you're saying because it's a such a parallel process, isn't it? That I don't know if I expected that as much as I already knew it's a, parenting is a parallel process between mm-hmm. your child and you, but I didn't know it was going to be at this level. So in other words, every time I feel like my son is shifting his growth in a direction i have to parallel do the same thing mm-hmm. otherwise i feel uh, um and kids development is so rapid right compared to us um so i think that's the part i don't think i expected 
to have to do this personal growth thing over and over and keep revisiting it and keep moving through it. Um, I, I'm happy for it, but I don't, I think it was unexpected. Yeah. Well, we are both, we were, we both became parents in older years. And I remember uh, watching my friends who were, you know, my peers, they had kids a lot younger. And I remember them telling me that, you know, it goes by so fast. Right. And so when, when we were able, blessed to adopt, you know, I was 39. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, you know, I'm going to try to make best use of the time and and be there and that kind of thing. And you're you're going through those seasons. You know, it does go fast. I mean, I knew it was going to go fast. Oh my, it has gone fast. Right. But navigating those seasons, and you know, you go through the phase where you know that they're just your shadow. You you can't go anywhere without them, and mm-hmm. then it comes to where you know it's not cool to be around you know mom or dad anymore and then like you know dad and mom they're idiots they don't know what they're talking about (laughs) you know so there's all these there's all these different seasons and you know you you've got it you're right you have to you have to grow with it and you have to shift and stuff and you know i i try to think back to when i was that age and and just show grace and say okay Mm -hmm. this is what's going on i i get it and um, you know, it's, it's going to, this too will pass. Yeah. And, you know, I've got my, my 22 year old now is coming back around saying, boy, I had it so good. <laughs> and, you know, I appreciate that. Uh-huh. And, you know, we're able, we, we're having conversations now we couldn't have had a year ago. Mm-hmm. And so, it's one of those things that if I can encourage your listeners with anything is just to stick in there, stick with mm. it because mm-hmm. um, there will be ups and downs and there's have, have tools like journaling or have tools like friends or have tools. Like I go for long walks mm-hmm. helps me just to, to, to process and deal with all the, the buildup inside me, but to stick with it um, more times than not, I think they're going to come around. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you make me laugh because I don't think I've, not that our son, he's only 12 and a half, but he hasn't called us an idiot yet, but I know his eyes do and yeah. <laughs> sometimes. And I was thinking when you said that, you know, in my, you know, fourth, fifth decade, I don't think I've ever been called an idiot in my life. Never. Yeah. <laughs> and so when you, when that happens with your own child, it's just a different level of of resilience it's a different level of taking it in it's a different level of fight flight or freeze frankly mm-hmm. um that taps into such growth self-growth about what are you going to do with this person who thinks of you this way when you've yeah. literally never been called that before in your yeah. life you know oh that's such an amazing thing you know you're <laughs> you're making me think about possibly creating some sort of retreat for, you know, adoptive parents in Hawaii or adoptive kids and just maybe doing something fun like that for 2023 or 2024. And, you know, depending on what season of, of in their journey that they're on. Mm-hmm. And that would be such a beautiful thing to offer because at the end of the day, we are a part of everyone's orchard. We're all part of everyone's community. And th- that is what will get us through this. Um mm-hmm uh essentially unscathed and managing ourselves and so we can grow these kids up and 
I think what I've been most encouraged by our conversation today is, you know, you've already been through the spectrum from, you know, the birth to the launching phase of out of the house and adulting. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, I think that's just such an encouraging thing that they they come back and they get it. Yeah. That's such an encouraging um, synopsis of what we're talking about today. Yeah. It's well, you and I have had conversations about how you can be that anchor for your child. And with my oldest, um, it became necessary to be the anchor in the sense that he left. We got him back from residential and he had all the tools, but he wasn't willing to use them. And when he turned 18, he left. And that broke our heart. I mean, it was like we were childless again. Mm. I mean, we had lost a child. But I told him, I said, more metaphorically than not, I said, you know where I am. And I will be here. And he came back. Mm -hmm. but i mean that was it's still i feel the anxiety rising in me when i talk about it because that wasn't easy to do yeah but uh, that's the core of trust right there if if that's not putting your 100 trust in god and um, Mm -hmm. knowing that he's going to be okay and and he is coming back in his in his own time is 100 trust and that sometimes gets challenged in our lives for sure well one of the things we were we were taught we we went to parent day before we would could visit with him and one of the things that is still a challenge is that whether your child is okay or not you have to choose to be okay that's right and so our prayers you know were you know god keep him safe yeah keep keep him safe but you know we're going to be and i've told him i said i said i really hope you're okay but whether you are or not just know mom and i are going to be okay yeah that's right mm-hmm. and he's like what are you saying he he didn't really understand i said we're, i hate to say this but we're going to be okay mm-hmm. now it was gut-wrenching mm-hmm. but it's one of those things that you have to put up healthy boundaries and um, again, that's where you rely on your faith or you rely on your friends or your tools, whatever it is, but you have to have, you have to have a support system. Mm-hmm. And we, for, for so long, we didn't really have a good structure. We had components of it, but I'm getting more and more where you understand what support system is really important. To what have. does that look like exactly? And as well as there's some structure behind mm-hmm structure with community there's structure with skills building there's structure with education and can you know essentially continuing education so i think you're absolutely right i think it's understanding that if there's this balance between that formula that allows everyone to be okay and that's really important message for both parents and kids to know Mm -hmm. yeah well um can I have you just share with the listeners a bit as we transition here to what's your podcast about? What's your what's your mission? What do you, what do you plan to to do with this beautiful message that you have of anchors of encouragement? Well, I I felt have have felt called to reach adoptive parents because I 
I know how lonely we felt. And, you know, kudos to my son because he wants to be an adoptive kid who, child that can talk about it. And so he's been on the show. Mm. And so I, I want to talk to adoptive parents and give them at least my perspective and give them biblical mindset support because I can talk about things that I know can help them. Like I talked, I shared, I didn't mention it, it was the pro- story of the prodigal. Mm-hmm. I can share things like that. I can share mindset types of things. But that's what I like to do through, through the podcast and then bring on people like you to help talk about the clinical side of it. Mm-hmm. But, but that's what we're trying to do with the show is to make that platform available so parents don't feel like they're isolated and when they need someone to talk to, there's something they can listen to and and gain some encouragement and realize that there are other people going through the same thing I'm going through. And if we just work together and, and share what we've all learned and the tools we've we've been able to acquire, we can really help navigate and and raise these kids who you know have these holes in their hearts. And again, not all of them have them, but for those who do, it's a real challenge, and it's really something that needs to be addressed and and talked about. And so I'm trying to have, I call it real and raw talk. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, that's amazing! Yeah, we, we have some we have some real and raw talk, but um, in the end, we, it's always something I think that we can gain some encouragement from and, and hopefully help people. Wonderful. What's the um, just for the listeners again? The name of your podcast? It's Anchors of Encouragement. And uh, anchorsofencouragement.com is the website. Uh, also, you can find it on Apple Podcasts. And um, the training that, that you and I got, we, you can find me on any platform that right. podcasts are available on. So I'm yeah. I'm surprised where I, I look at my metrics. And it's all <laughs> it's there fun, are, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> there are so many places. I have no idea why it's in so many countries. But mm. Apple Podcasts, um, it's on Android as well. So, um, yeah. I would encourage you just to check it out. And uh, there's so many good stories on there that I think can encourage you and give you some some uh, help. Yes, beautiful. I plan on sharing it with, you know, I'm in the a lot of social worker wor- world over here. So I plan on sharing it with some of my audience and folks that, you know, are still in this world of adoption as well. So mm-hmm. it's really wonderful that we're at this time of our lives um, in these decades that we get to talk about it openly. And, mm-hmm. and have resources like this. So I thank you again for being on the show and um, all my aloha and love to you folks over there. And um, we'll talk again soon. Well, thank you, neighbor. I really appreciate it. Aloha, Tim. Bye-bye. Here are some takeaways from today's episode. Number one, sometimes the circle adoptive parents find themselves in can feel very lonely. Number two, Adoptive parents need to accept their anxiety, embrace it instead of trying to get rid of it. Number three, there's a difference in retreating to self and retreating with others. Number four, the antidote to anxiety is connection to self and connection to others. And number five, at the end of the day, we are all part of everyone's orchard. We're all part of everyone's community. That's all for this episode. I want to thank you so much for joining me. Until next time, this is Tim encouraging you 
to do what you can now. If this podcast has given you the courage and confidence to face storms in your life, the number one way you can thank me is to leave a written review on Apple Podcasts. Tell a friend about the show. Take a screenshot of this episode and share it in your Instagram stories and tag me at Tim Maudlin. You can also connect with me in my Facebook group, Anchors of Encouragement. So until next time, this is Tim encouraging you to do what you can now.